Hello everyone. Now, we know that grandparents love to spend time with their grandchildren, and vice versa. But what if there were genuine health benefits to that? What if, for our ever-increasing elderly population, spending time with nursery-aged children improved their mental well-being, their physical well-being, morale, confidence? Really, those feelings of loneliness and isolation that older people are especially vulnerable to. Shockingly, according to Age UK, more than 2 million people in England over the age of 75 live alone. And more than a million older people say that they can go for over a month without speaking to anyone, a friend, a neighbour or a family member. What I want to do in this podcast is talk about intergenerational care and how it can bridge the age divide. But before we go any further, I'd like to say a big thank you to Isabel, my year 13 biology student, who carried out the extensive research and sourcing of academic literature to provide the content for this podcast. Intergenerational care is focused on what we call learning programmes, which are defined as planned ongoing activities that purposefully bring together different generations in shared settings to share experiences that are mutually beneficial. These planned ongoing activities as such include things like craft work and more physical activities and are deliberately designed to cross that generational divide and bring young and old people together. In the US, formal intergenerational programmes began in 1965, when the Foster Grandparent Programme started, aimed at reducing social isolation for the elderly and providing volunteer tutors for students. The US were actually the first to pioneer such incentives. In the 1970s, further intergenerational programmes were being set up in parts of the United States, states, driven by a... patient divide between generations. According to researcher Sanchez, back in 2007, it was in the 1980s when the foundation of Generations United was set up as a, I guess you could say a national agency that would liaise with the government to gain legislative support for issues that were being faced by care providers. Japan started to introduce trials in 1976 for the operation of a nursery and a care home on a single site in Tokyo. That trial had huge positive effects on the people living in the care home and it was really successful in bringing tangible benefits to the participants. By the late 1990s, there were some 16 intergenerational care programmes established in Tokyo. In the early 2000s, programmes appeared across Europe in response to a variety of problems, such as the the difficult integration of immigrants in Holland, political issues related to inclusion and the new roles to be played by the elderly in the United Kingdom, and the perception of a crisis affecting traditional family solidarity models and interest in fostering active ageing in Spain. From the early 2000s, some North American universities started to introduce intergenerational learning as part of their syllabus, and later the universities of Pittsburgh in the United States and Lampeter in Wales, the UK, started creating intergenerational programme training courses. 
Public awareness in the UK for intergenerational models of elderly care with nursery children was raised in a Channel 4 documentary that aired back in 2017, and it coincided with several media articles highlighting the implementation trials in the United States. Increasing life expectancy in the UK has brought challenges for social care. This is shown by the numbers of elderly in our society increasing as life expectancy increases. For example, in 1960, life expectancy was thought to be around 71.1 years. But this has been on the rise ever since, with the most current data from 2016 showing life expectancy now at about 80.76 years. That's a 14% increase in life expectancy over just a 56-year period. Social care is therefore under pressure to provide for a greater number of elderly in the population than ever before. From the late 1960s, there was a growing awareness in the USA that the geographical distance between younger and older members of families was due, in part, to a changing labour market that was having negative effects on the relationships. This separation has continued and is reducing interaction between older and younger people. The trend for divided families in the US and UK means increasingly isolated older people, which in turn results in increased rates of depression, which places more burden on the care system. Let's consider the relevant legal aspects for a moment. So one of the main concerns of linking an elderly care home with a nursery is safeguarding, as you'd imagine. Based on the definition from the World Health Organization, intergenerational care includes all groups of people that fit into the definition of vulnerable people. These are children, elderly people, and people who are ill or immunocompromised. From this, it can be seen that both ends of the generational spectrum as such are involved in these types of care programs are vulnerable people, which would mean that multiple safeguarding policies would apply in intergenerational care settings. Then there's staff training to consider. A case study reported in the Gerontologist Society of America journal on the perceived benefits and problems associated with intergenerational care exchanges revealed the opinions of the actual care providers themselves. The study found out that there would be a need for an extensive additional staff training and resources. The reason for this is that these two groups of people need more care and attention than adults, but the type of care for the two groups would be different. This means that the staff would need more training both geriatric and paediatric care. The ratio of care workers to elderly residents and children would need careful management. A report produced by the Northern Ireland Direct, the official government website for Northern Ireland citizens, stated that two to three-year-olds needed one carer to four children. There would need to be a high number of staff for these care programmes to legally be safe. The ratios required for elderly people living in care homes is quite different. There's no set requirements for staff to resident ratios. Research has shown, however, that there tends to be one registered nurse per 18 residents and one member of care home staff for every four to five residents. Therefore, for a facility caring for both elderly and young people, there would have to be significant staffing requirements. But with careful management, that could be achieved. 
Health and safety legal requirements would need to be addressed in any care plan. For example, elderly patients may be unstable on their feet due to weakened muscles, let's say. So if toys were left out on the floor after being played with, they could become a trip hazard. As people age, their bones become more brittle and may break more easily. So the simple act of tripping over and falling might cause serious injury. Hip fractures are common in the elderly and uh, can have really serious consequences. One in three adults aged 50 and over actually dies within 12 months of suffering from a hip fracture. An article released by the Learning Station highlighted that health and safety issues could be of concern. However, if proper levels of staffing, training and tidying regimes were maintained, then the risk of injury causing harm could be significantly reduced. This means that health and safety concerns are not a reason why a care home could not be linked with a nursery. Now, we can't truly appreciate the benefit of intergenerational programmes without first considering the costs and economic impact that they would have. Falling is a serious issue within care and retirement communities, as it's the biggest cause of hospital admissions from those places. According to the Chartered Society of Physiotherapy, one in three people aged over 65 will fall every year, with more than 3 million falls per year. The rate increases to nearly one in two for adults over 80 years of age living in care homes, even if they are in good health. Ageing impairs balance, it impairs muscles and joints, and is made worse with long periods of inactivity and sitting down. By incorporating regular exercise throughout the week, such as playing with children, the chance of sustaining a fall can be decreased. The CSP reported that across the UK every year, around 280,000 people end up in A&E after a fall, costing the NHS about £1.5 billion. Supposing that by introducing a nursery to an elderly care home, the number of falls uh, sustained could be reduced by what's thought to be around 10%. This would represent a financial saving to the NHS of £150 million every year. Mental health services currently cost the Department of Health and Social Care about £12.2 billion, which is one-tenth of their annual spending. Furthermore, one-third of the NHS mental health services is concerned with treating those over the age of 65. Integrating care homes with nurseries can have a positive impact on the mental health of the elderly, which may reduce the overall number of mental health-related admissions to hospital. This may help to relieve strains on social care resources. If care homes were linked with nurseries, then there would only need or there would only need to be one building for the joint care. Personnel could be shared, for example. There would be less people required in areas such as admin or building maintenance. Interestingly, a report written by Megan Fitzgerald highlighted that combining adult and childcare programmes would create efficiencies in service delivery, showing that if care was to be integrated, then money would be saved and the provision of care would still be of a good standard. There would be economic advantages for providers to co-locate and develop a unique selling point for marketing themselves to different generations and sharing costs. 
But what about the politics of it all? Well, the UK government has identified that there are opportunities for improvements within the way that our social care for the elderly is run. In a 2019 interview conducted for this podcast with David Burroughs, a former MP, he states that there is a social care green paper due to be published shortly, which will seek to address the problem of funding growing elderly population who need care. There is an increasing awareness of the lack of treatment for depression amongst the elderly. Depression is the most common mental health problem for the over 75s. It's estimated that it affects about 22% of men and 28% of women aged over 65 and 40% of residents in care homes. That's huge. The percentage of our population made up of elderly people is predicted to increase from 20 to 25% over the next 30 years. As the elderly population increases, the number of people suffering from depression will increase, putting more pressure on social care resources. So, by integrating care, it has been seen that the overall mood of the elderly patients improved, and when tested, people who have taken part in the schemes have scored better on the geriatric depression scale than before the scheme was in place. So, introducing these schemes will have a positive impact on what is a growing problem. Age discrimination is a prevalent issue in society. The Royal College of Psychiatrists stated that overcoming age discrimination is a national priority. Due to our rapidly ageing population and the current attitude that many in our society have towards the elderly, it's really important that this is something that we tackle. Integrating care homes with nurseries would be one way to prevent age discrimination in our younger generations due to this form of care changing the perceptions of the very young and their parents. There are two main issues related to the generational gap in integrated care settings. Different energy levels and different interests between the two groups of people. Firstly, the issue surrounding different energy levels comes about because the younger children typically prefer to run around and take part in, let's say, messy painting or water-based activities. In contrast to this, the elderly people are more likely to enjoy maybe more leisurely, sedentary activities such as reading books or playing board games. Unmanaged, this issue could cause problems. An experiment reported by the Gerontologist Society of America Uh, which specifically looked at care providers' attitudes to intergenerational care, stated that problems resulted from different energy levels and activity levels between the two groups. For programmes to be successful, providers would need to offer suitable activities for both the young and old. It simply just requires careful planning and creative thinking. Interaction with young children encourages elderly people to be more active, Now, this I find really fascinating. When elderly people are more active, they are less likely to require the heating on as high, as they're able to maintain their body heat in a more natural way. That actually helps to save money, as often care homes have to have their heating on very high, which is a waste of resources. In fact, through integrating care, as I've said before, the number of buildings required would be reduced, meaning that the amount of associated heat the light, transport, waste and power will be decreased. In the interview with David Burroughs MP, he suggested that integrating services is more sustainable rather than having separate buildings for different services. 
As the title implies, attaching care homes to nurseries benefits the elderly. And I think if you're listening to this podcast, the social aspect is most likely to be the first thing that you would focus on, and rightly so, over perhaps the political and economical aspects of it. Integrating care homes with nurseries encourages increased confidence in the elderly subjects, as they're encouraged to participate in activities that they wouldn't normally take part in. A study carried out by BMC Geriatrics, an open access journal publishing original peer-reviewed research articles on the healthcare of older people, stated that when elderly are given meaningful roles, rather such as the opportunity to mentor children, their self-esteem increases. A really important study carried out in Singapore showed that intergenerational care helped the Singaporeans age confidently and lead active lives. Which shows that when elderly people are regularly in contact with younger children, their confidence can improve dramatically. It's also been reported that older people gain a sense of purpose in life through intergenerational programmes. An article produced by The Learning Station stated that intergenerational programmes give the elderly generation more than just a sense of purpose. It gives them a sense of belonging. It's as if the older members of society are afforded the opportunity to reconnect, if you like, with its younger members. An article released by the Japan Times in 2016 stated that seniors began smiling and conversing more among themselves. So, as the elderly people became more confident whilst interacting with the children, they actually started to interact more with each other, which is huge. We all want to reduce loneliness and isolation, which is so prevalent among the residents of elderly care homes. Another article published by Age UK stated that when a nursery was linked with a care home in a trial, the scheme made the residents more comfortable with conversation. Some elderly people may not have many visitors. In our society, it would be thought of as, I guess, unusual for grandparents to live with or live nearby their grandchildren. If said grandparents were not very mobile, then you have the perfect recipe for loneliness. Where distance and poor physical health are contributing factors, many care home residents do not have children of their own. They have ultimately entered the later years of their life with no one to look after them. It's thought that 30% of men in retirement communities live truly solitary lives with no visitors at all. These intergenerational programmes provide opportunities to ultimately fulfil basic human needs and reintegrate older adults in society. The benefits to mental health are clear, but let's focus a little more on the physical side of health, and in particular the spread of disease. A challenge for intergenerational care is the risk of disease and infection being passed from the nursery-aged children to the elderly, who typically will have weaker immune systems. Many young children are often ill with coughs and colds, which could easily spread to the older participants of these types of care programmes. Additionally, nursery children are more likely to contact or contract rather chickenpox, which can lead to shingles in an elderly person, which is much more severe. To combat such issues, care programmes would have to have a proactive infection control regime in order to prevent the spread of disease. 
Another article by the Japan Times stated that the elderly people showed in their trials a reduced risk of disease and death compared with seniors in non-participating facilities. Even though there is a potential risk of the elderly people catching diseases from the younger children, they're more likely to rebuild their weakened immune systems due to the exposure to the common coughs and the colds. In turn, this will mean that they are less likely to catch more serious illnesses, such as shingles or pneumonia. The focus of this podcast has been on the benefit that intergenerational care brings, as a clear means to bridge the generational gap. But the provision of care for the elderly in the UK is a complex and multifaceted issue, driven by often contradictory objectives of social care initiatives, from saving money to improving quality of life. There is a lot of evidence, much of it anecdotal, that elderly elderly rather residents do benefit to having regular contact with nursery-aged children in a structured programme of activities. Benefits in terms of cognition, memory, mobility, mood. The question remains though, with something so heavily influenced by social, economic and political factors, can we design a long-term and sustainable model for intergenerational care in the UK? I'll leave you on that thought. Thank you everyone for listening.